Welcome to the Saleswell Masterclass. Again, my name is Brandon, and today I have Mike Tatum. Mike is a demand generation and marketing automation expert at Kinsta, where he has increased lead volume 210% in less than a year. Uh, prior to that, he helped grow the real estate tech company Compass and advised on marketing campaigns for Capital One. So he's got a wide range of experience. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Mike. Yeah, no, it's a it's a pleasure to be here. Um, excited to chat. Uh, I live and breathe demand generation, so this is right up my alley. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, let's jump right in. So uh, I've heard you speak a couple of times. I was watching your, your talks yesterday. Um, so I'm just going to jump into the meat and potatoes. Why and when did the marketing funnel break? Yeah, so I think, you know, as soon as we reached the point in the internet where we started selling higher consideration items, uh, that's when the marketing funnel actually broke. Because the thing that happens is it works really well for low consideration items like books, you know, inexpensive shoes, things like that. But anything that requires a little bit more than like a few seconds of thought on the, the, the idea of the visitor, um, then the marketing funnel falls apart. It's extremely inefficient. Gotcha. It's, it's like there's just too much information out there, right? Yeah. Um, so how does someone go about uh, fixing the broken funnel, right? Um, I know you talk about the flywheel fix. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think the, I always start with, you have to understand your data. So first you need to look at your own funnel, see where the inefficiencies are, like where are people falling out? How many of those people that you're putting in your funnel, you're actually losing and figure out like, what are the best performing parts of your funnel? Cause most people are in a situation where their funnel isn't like completely broken it's just, it's inefficient. So look and see like what are those key drivers are and then start building around that. So basically what we did at Kinsta was I took a look at our funnel and saw that, you know, kind of like from beginning to end, 60% of the leads that we were putting into the top were falling out, you know, were lost opportunities. So um, I took a look at all our content, saw like what was the best performing. So we had a couple of eBooks that were really, really high performing. And I said, okay, you know, if I were to build something different, kind of build a flywheel around that, um, I'm going to build off of those pieces of content that are already super successful in terms of attracting leads that are converting at uh, a really high profitable rate for us. Gotcha. So the flywheel is essentially about building around things that are already working for you. Exactly, exactly. And I think for us, um, you know, content's really important. I think the flywheel works great if you're a business where content marketing is a big driver of your business. And so um, kind of how it comes to life at Kinsta is we have a, our flywheel, you can enter at any point in it. So we have eBooks, we have webinars, we have, you know, video courses, we have tons and tons of content to draw off of, which kind of, which helps accelerate that flywheel. And so what prospects do is wherever they come in at, say they download an eBook, um, within that ebook workflow, as we're following up through email and social retargeting, we're obviously, you know, giving them opportunities to say, hey, if I'm ready to buy, they can jump to that level. But we spend a lot of that time saying, hey, we also have this other content on a similar subject. So you're basically, we're trying to keep them within that content mix and kind of bouncing around. And through that, they get a, a lot of our, our full value props. So they may have just downloaded an ebook on improving your site speed, but through our content, they get content on site security. They get content on the importance of support for web hosting. So they get our full value prop as they're kind of bouncing around within that content ecosystem. Gotcha. So to make the flywheel work and really with any content strategy in general, you have to allow folks to opt out, right? And that can obviously have 
a negative impact on the number of leads. So how did you guys adjust your, your goals and expectations internally um, with the potential thought like, hey, we may lose some people in this process? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, like a lot of, I think, marketing departments are trying to do now is like we have to, we have to track everything to revenue. I think you look at with, with lead generation, you're always looking at two things. You're looking at lead volume and you're looking at lead quality. And I've often found that people get very, very excited about lead volume, um, oftentimes to the detriment of quality. Um, so I'm always like, hey, you know, there's going to be fluctuations in our volume and our quality. The most important thing everybody should be focused on is like, what is our net revenue? Like, what is our net customer growth? Um, within that, I'm always playing around with the mix. So I'm more in the camp of, I look for quality. Like I'm willing to sacrifice volume if it gets us that higher quality. Cause I think that has a bigger impact downstream when you're looking at net new customers. Yeah, yeah, I subscribe to that same notion. <laughs> so then talking about content a little bit more, what are your opinions on gating content? What do you gate? What don't you get? How do you make those decisions? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a tough one. It's one of those ones where there's like no hard and fast rules. Um, I'm more in favor of gating more, um, especially if you're creating content that truly is unique and valuable. Like the test I look at is like when we're creating something like if it's something that I as like the end user can take 30 seconds, Google, find someone who's giving it away for free, then I'm probably going to lean towards ungating it. But if it's something that's like so such a unique solution to their use case, where if it's an ebook on how to increase, you know, the conversions in your WooCommerce store, you know, uh, and using say like a specific company like Big Commerce as a case study, like that's such a specific solution. Um, that's something that I would gate. So I basically run the test. Like if I can Google and find like an answer within like a few seconds, then there's no, there's no need in gating this. <laughs> right. It's almost like a, a level of effort thing, right? Like if right. it took us X amount of effort to make it, then we're going to gate it and make sure we get something. In return. Exactly. And I use the same thing for like, you know, how many fields do you put on there? It's like, how much effort would it take for them to gather all this information? So like, I know I can put more fields or if it's like, you know, it's not super hard. Maybe I'll just do an email or, you know, first name and email, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so since you guys have converted to the flywheel, have you noticed any big shift in your leads entry points into the funnel? Yeah. Um, so I think for us, you know, the the two biggest pieces of content. So for us, it was uh, a book, an ebook on site speed. And the other one was another ebook on managing 40 plus WordPress sites. Um, and so now that we know that those are big drivers, we've really tried to put that at the forefront of what we're pushing prospects to, just because we know they convert really well. Um, and that's a logical entry point that we push a lot of people through. Um, but outside of that, you know, we're really open. I think we're fortunate in the sense that we do get a lot of brand, uh, brand traffic coming in through like our affiliate marketing and, you know, our affiliates are obviously promoting whatever they want, like other pieces of content, which works really well. So I think that's the importance of the flywheel. Like you want people to be able to enter at any point. And then within that, you know, they're getting other, you know, opportunities to stay in the mix. So like I have um, a part, one of our things is a, a demo account that users can sign up for. So they may come in, you know, say I'm here to try out this demo account. They may try it out. They may go a little bit cold in the workflow and follow up. But then within that, you know, typically that would be at the bottom of the funnel. But once they reach the end of that workflow, we'll say, hey, you know, you may want to check out our eBooks, like, you know, that 40 plus sites eBook, that site speed eBook. And that I'll say, you know, in traditional funnel kicks that back higher, but it gives them a chance to kind of go down, reconvert, 
and reinforce that value prop. And instead of just saying, oh, they tried the demo, they weren't a good fit, I guess they're gone. We just give them a chance to get a little more comfortable with us and our content. And we've you know, been able to pull a lot of really good contacts, uh, new customers and new sales qualified leads for our sales team out of that. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to what you said about building the flywheel around the stuff that you know that works, right? And if you have that as sort of your staple of your flywheel, then it allows you to try new things because ultimately you're driving them back to the things that works. Sure. Um, but but in that vein, you recently tweeted that you became a certified Snapchat ad, whatever it's called. <laughs> um, do, so that's trying something new. Do you see Snapchat as the next like entry point for marketing teams? What about TikTok and these other new trends and new sites? <laughs> yeah. Um... I think, you know, the jury's still out. Like for me, I looked at it and I was like, oh, you know, I, I kind of saw like Snapchat was pushing this whole certification. Obviously they're trying to build their own ad business. So I was yeah. checking it out. Like I've pretty much been in, you know, hardcore in the B2B space most of my career. So Snapchat, TikTok aren't a thing that people are really talking about. So I was like, you know, let me check this out. Let me see what they built. Let me see what the applications could be. Um, I think as a marketer, even like if something feels like it's not a good fit, like for me, like at Kinsta, we do, you know, large scale agency enterprise web hosting, like Snapchat feels like a very odd fit for us, but <laughs> I want to know what it can do. What are the possibilities? And, you know, I look at things like, you know, just like Facebook, Snapchat has custom audiences. So we have our own audience list. Maybe we try running a campaign, uploading our list, seeing who's there. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like opening up the possibilities and seeing what it's about. Um, and same thing with TikTok. I think it's a new platform that's really, you know, exciting, something that, you know, as a marketer, you always have your eye on. Because like, you know, if there is an opportunity for more of a B2B, you know, SaaS uh, opportunity there, I want us to be the first to jump on that and be, you know, kind of, you know, get that first mover advantage in that space. Oh, for sure. Um, I remember when, when LinkedIn started their conversational ads, um, we jumped on it right away and we saw amazing success. And obviously that decreases over time as more and more people jump into that um, same pool. But yeah, being an early adopter definitely has benefits if, it, if you notice it's starting to take off. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing. Like I'm, I'm always like checking out new platforms, new things. Like I try to, I try to stay in the know. I'm probably a little bit on the older side. Like I'm obviously... A little too old to be on uh, TikTok and Snapchat, but I have fun with it. Like, I'm also like a user, like I'll check out the platform. So like, I'll set up a Snapchat, see how it works. I'll check out TikTok because I think it's also important to understand it from the user side as well too. Like, how are people using it? How do they interact? Um, so I have a lot of fun with it. I'm, but I'm always the old guy on new platforms. So. <laughs> but, it, but it's market research, right? Right, right. <laughs> Uh, awesome well uh that's all i have for you today mike i i really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me it's been fun um and again i really enjoyed seeing you talk at g2 so um thanks for your time today yeah thank you for having me Hello.